We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course, you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you can bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Debatable. <laughs> Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. You are listening to The Uncontested, an Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob. All you haters come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. What is up, guys? You're joined today by Taylor. Jacob is currently at the OU football game against Houston uh, with, with fellow podcast member Kamiar. OU's looking pretty solid right now, not going to lie. Up 35-10 to 10 here in the uh, third quarter, about seven minutes left. It's, it's been a pretty fun and exciting game. So uh, shout out to you Sooner fans out there. But today, we have our part three of the season preview series with another great lineup. We're so thankful for these guests who came on. The first, we had Dave Johnson, who's actually the play-by-play announcer for the Washington Wizards to get the Wizards preview. 
We were then joined by Philip Rossman Reich of the Orlando Magic Daily, and as well as the Locked On Magic. Next, we were joined by Nick Fay. He is the host of the Brooklyn Buzz podcast, as well as head off the glass, and he previewed the Brooklyn Nets with us. And then finally, we rounded this one out with Tony East, uh, the Locked On Pacers host and a Forbes contributor who obviously covers the Indiana Pacers. So thank you guys again for tuning in, and here we go. And I am joined by Dave Johnson, the play-by-play announcer for the Washington Wizards, DC United of the Major League Soccer, and sports director of WTOP Radio. You can find Dave on Twitter, at DaveJSports. And Dave, thank you again so much for joining us. We, we really appreciate it. Yeah, here we go. The season's, season's almost here. I want you to hit a Labor Day. <laughs> thank goodness. We are, we're finally getting close. We're, we're definitely ready for it. <laughs> so just kind of a quick recap of last season. The Winter, Wizards ended last season 32-50. and 50. That was good for 11th in the East. And that was primarily due to John Wall's uh, tearing of his Achilles, which is, uh, was really unfortunate for the Wizards. However, this summer, there wasn't anything huge, but it was a very busy summer for the Wizards. In fact, so busy that uh, some of these transactions I'm going to go through, I had to kind of summarize just for time's sake because we want to be able to, to talk to you as much as possible through this. So um, the first thing that happened that, that came across was they traded cash to the Philadelphia 76ers for Admiral Schofield, which was a second-round pick in this year's draft and Jonathan Simmons, who the Wizards ended up waiving later this summer. Um, they then obtained Mo Wagner and Isaac, bon- Isaac Bonga in the uh, Anthony Davis trade, part of a three-team trade with the Lakers and um, and the Pelicans, excuse me. And they got in on that and were able to obtain those two pieces. They traded Dwight Howard to Memphis for C.J. Miles, they, which – you know, we recently the whole Dwight Howard stuff just went down, and he was able to uh, get a buyout and sign with the Lakers. They obtained uh, Davis Bertans from the San Antonio Spurs, which was also a three-team trade, where uh, they the Wizards ended up sing, sending Aaron White to Brooklyn. They traded uh, Tomas Sotronotsky, I can never pronounce his last name, <laughs> to Chicago for essentially a, a stash of draft picks, and then they signed Ish Smith to a two-year, twelve million dollar deal, Gareth and Matthew to a two-way deal. And then probably their biggest signing, I would say, is they re-signed Thomas Bryant to a three-year, $25 million deal. Um, and then they also signed Isaiah Thomas to a one-year bet minimum to give him kind of a, a trial year and, and see what he can do. And then they end up drafting uh, Rue Hachimura with the ninth overall pick, who a lot of people are excited about, and they were definitely praised for. I think that was a solid draft pick. Injury-wise, they're going into the season with the John Wall injury, and I believe uh, the Wizards owner came out and said that, unfortunately, they aren't expecting him to play next season. And then C.J. Miles recently had surgery this offseason to repair a stretch fracture in his left foot. They also restructured the front office by hiring their interim GM, Tommy Shepard, full-time. Uh, they hired Antoine, Anton Jameson, and then they also hired Tommy Browns uh, from the Cleveland Browns, which is a, was a, was a great hire and a very interesting hire as well. Salary situation, they're going to be about $25 million over the cap for a friend of the pod, Keith Smith, and about $3.4 million below the luxury tax. And then finally, per Westgate, they have their over-under for the Wizards at 27.5 wins, which is a little less than last season. So like I said, that was a mouthful. It was a very busy uh, offseason for the Washington Wizards. So, Dave, give me your thoughts on the trades, uh, free agent signings, and draft that, that your Wizards had this summer. Well, I, I think we're going to be a, a, a fun and competitive team. And, and it's, a, it's a team last year that, unfortunately, has gotten used to. John Warren actually made the playoffs. 
uh, a year without uh, John Wall when he was unable to, to, to play a lot because of uh, injury. The difference last year was uh, the loss of Dwight Howard, the fact that he only played about eight or nine games. That was that was never in the plan. The year before when they made the playoffs, uh, you know, even with uh, John Wall's absence, uh, they still had Marching, Marching Gortat and they had more of a defensive presence in, in, in the middle. If you look at last season, the Wizards were ranked 10th in the NBA in offense. Again, 10th in the NBA in offense. 16 teams make the playoffs. What that says is the Wizards have a, had a playoff offense last year, even without uh, John Wall, uh, with, with John Wall missing so many games. The, the problem was, was the defense. And they're, and they're not, unlike the Wizards teams of uh, 2004 to 2008, who you mentioned with Antoine Jameson, who uh, is rejoining the front office, that team was all about if, if you score 112, we're going to score 113. That, that's not the way this Wizards uh, team was built and consequently not in the playoffs. You know, I think now uh, there's a lot going on with, with this, this team. Certainly, um, you're looking at, at development of young players. I mean, Thomas Bryant had, had a breakout season uh, at center, and, and you, it's exciting to think about what his uh, next step is going to be because there's, you know, they're always saying you can't teach big. Well, he's big, he's athletic. Um, uh, you know, he gives the Wizards a lot of options. Uh, Absolutely, uh, very a lot of excitement about Yeah, there's a lot of excitement about Rui Hachimura, the draft pick. I think he's going to be uh, involved in the season. Uh, look, t- two years ago, to 2017, the Wizards were on the verge of, of making the Eastern Conference Final. One of the big reasons they didn't was the play of Isaiah Thomas for the Celtics at that time. Uh, in, the, in the playoff series that they lost. Uh, if Isaiah Thomas, uh, you know, the only thing that's, that's held him back has been injuries. If he has a healthy year, uh, that, that's, a, that's a big wild card that could depend, uh, you know, how far this, this Wizards team goes. So, uh, you know, that's why I use the phrase, you know, fun and competitive. They, they really have a legitimate uh, superstar in, in Bradley Beal who's going to be a very much uh, again, it's going to be exciting to see what his next step is. I, I've called every one of his games, and I can remember the way he entered this league and, and all the knocks against him. And, and then, uh, you know, you just watch his numbers last year continue to go up, even though he was, you know, triple teamed. Um, and and he's, he's so much more than just a jump shooter. He's uh, developed all aspects of his game. He's a superstar. He's a, he's a all-star superstar, whatever, whatever um, – description you want to put on them so you know it's a little bit different uh you know eastern conference I, nobody's going to talk about the the wizards you know being one of the elite teams uh in the nba like they were just a couple of years ago with, with john wall but i i think uh you know it's a team that's that's restructured in a lot of ways uh and we know this to be true every year in the nba there's always a team that that uh, a couple teams at each conference and that where, where you're not necessarily thinking of a lot, and then the next thing you know, you know they they make some noise. So I think, you know, this is a team that that's hoping it. it you know, we know firsthand the importance of health, uh, and and you go from there. And if you play defense and rebound, uh, I, I'm not worried about this team scoring. I wasn't worried about this team scoring last year. If this team plays defense and rebounds, uh, it has a chance to uh, be competitive in the Eastern Conference. Most definitely, they absolutely have a what well, I like to call bucket getters. I mean, you mentioned Bradley Bill and. And Bryant, you know, those guys can score. And now we'll see what Rui can do as well. So oh, are you worried about players that you guys lost this offseason? And kind of on that, that note, you know, they obviously added a lot of players. It seems like they're a pretty deep team th- this season in terms of depth. 
Um, so you mind touching on the team death and also the players that you lost um, this offseason? Well, I mean, uh, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, certainly you know, you're going to miss, uh, and there were popular players that, you know, were with us, like a, like a Trevor Ariza. I mean, with, with Dwight right. Howard, it, it's it's hard to miss somebody that, that didn't play. And I, I don't mean that, uh, in it, you know, in a negative way. I just mean that. Right. He you know, just Dwight wasn't able to get on the floor. Yeah. Didn't, yeah, we hardly got to know you, so it you know right. it's, it's not um, you don't even, you don't really go into a season. You know, look, you know his credentials, his his Hall of Fame stats, and and uh, you know as I said, if 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 he would have been able to stay healthy, and he didn't have to score one point for us, but if he could have, you know, given the Wizards ten rebounds, the, the storyline last year would have been been different. But that that was last year, so. Uh, you know, I think this is a team that that is going to be exciting going into training camp. There's a lot. I mean, Mo Wagner, they're high on him. Is they picked him up from the, uh, the the Lakers. I mean, you know, you didn't see certain things happen last year that that you know turned out to be blessings in disguise. I mean, Dwight Howard, Ed Kurtzson, and Thomas Bryant. You know, if, if Dwight Howard was healthy, do we have the kind of development we have we had from Thomas, uh, you know, Thomas Bryant, where he, you know, in that Phoenix Suns triple overtime game gets put in the same sentence with Wilt Chamberlain because he goes 18 for 18 um, from right. the field. You know, if, if right. there's a healthy Dwight Howard, you, you don't have that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's what has to happen on all teams uh, that suffer big injuries and certainly losing a player like Dwight Howard uh, was a big injury. So uh, I think this is a, this is a, a, a you know, a, certainly a deeper team. I mean, Davis uh, Bertans, uh, Bertans is uh uh, a player that has his career high in, in three pointers uh, against us uh, when he played for San Antonio. So uh, you know he comes out of a, uh, a San Antonio program, and I say program because they they developed their players so well. And, and anytime you get a San Antonio player, it, it, you know you just know that that you're going to get somebody that that you know buys into the team concept and and knows how to contribute in so many ways because. If they didn't, uh, Greg Popovich didn't let him on the floor. So um, that's that's what makes it exciting. Uh, you know, the, the negative is is a John Wall uh, injury, but you, you can't focus on that. It's an Achilles injury. Uh, you know, it's why you know do we see him at some point this season? You, you can't think about that because uh, the projection that at the earliest he would be back would be you know late February or March. So. Um, you know, at that at this point, that might as well be six years from now, because you're not even started training camp. So um, you, you got to go into this season thinking, you know, if somehow we get John Wall for part of it, uh, a playoff run, and he's healthy, fine. But but if not, um, this team is deep enough, and and there's some intriguing pieces um, that, that make it interesting to see what they do. And I, I didn't mention Ish Smith. I remember he was on a training camp a Ish, yeah. few years ago. And we we couldn't keep him, and, and we thought, well, somebody's going to keep him because he's he belongs in the NBA. Well, he's still in the NBA. Now he belongs to us. So, um, right. Yeah, I'm not Thunder fans are familiar with him. <laughs> we had Ish Smith for a while, right. too. You know, he, well, like you say, he's one of those guys that's bounced team to team, and uh, but he's just good enough that he keeps finding jobs and positions. I, I'm with you. I think he'd be a great piece for you guys. Well, and that's why I mentioned, the, you know, the question was about the depth, and he certainly applies that. He's not a franchise changer, but – but he's, you know, you, you know, you can't, uh, you've got to have players like him uh, to be successful. Absolutely. So uh, kind of on that note, 
Um, are you expecting any changes throughout the regular season? You know, obviously there's all the talk about Bradley Bill and the Miami Heat really want Bradley Bill and, oh, the Wizards should trade Bradley Bill. But the front office has came out and been pretty straightforward. And just like you mentioned, Bradley Bill is a becoming a superstar, not even an all-star anymore. And you don't just trade a guy like that for nothing unless it's like a, you know, as us Thunder fans are very familiar with the Paul George situation, um, you don't just trade him for anything. So it doesn't even have to be Bradley Bill, but are you expecting any um, any trades or changes uh, with the roster this coming season? No, I mean, not at this point. I mean, you know, circumstances, um, like anything with, with, with seasons, dictate, you know, what happens and, and what doesn't happen. But, you know, certainly at this point, uh, I, I don't expect that. I mean, um, you know, uh, it, but at this point... <laughs> I continue to be, the, you know, the, 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 I mean, there has to be a continuous uh, news cycle and there has to be continuous speculation. That's with all teams. So uh, when you have a good player and Bradley Beal certainly qualifies as that, he'll be, he'll be thrown out there in, in, um, in, in speculation and trades, but that's, that's not what, what, um, you know, he's about, he's about the, the wizards and, uh, again, this is the franchise that drafted him, and and he likes it here, and he's comfortable here. And uh, you know, people were talking about, uh, uh, you know, okay, you're going to offer him the the two year contract extension. What happens if he doesn't take it? And uh, nobody expects him to take it. Uh, you know, the Wizards offered it because they want to show the proper respect to Bradley Beal and know where their intention is. It would be a a form of disrespect if you if you didn't. But if you're Bradley Beal. You know why there's the only incentive to sign it now is if for some reason you're worried about getting hurt and and so uh, you know I think he uh, the simple answer in the long term future of Bradley Beal and way he feels about the Wizards is if this if this rebuild or, wh- or whatever term you want to use or the transition or uh, you know it's not like we fell off the map for for five seasons again just a couple of years ago we were right on the cusp of the Eastern Conference Finals so. Um, you know, if, if it looks like things in two years are, are not going in the right direction, you know, then then it, it's a whole different conversation. But that's that's not where it is right now in, in 2019 for for the reasons that we we just talked about and the things that are that are happening. And and he's he's very much uh, been a part of that and and uh, you know kept up on that and had input, quite frankly, in in. Uh, uh, you know, the direction the franchise is going with players, the direction the franchise uh, was going now with, with a restructure uh, of the front office. We, we have a general manager in, in Tommy Shepard, but uh, it's, it's more of a, a collective situation. Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, Antoine Jameson involved. There, there's more of a it's, – it's a changing dynamic in the NBA, and I think uh, you're seeing more and more of that, you know, from the days, you know, when – you just had one person making all the decisions. Um, you know that's changed now in the NBA, just as the NBA has changed, and so many more people involved in, in so many more things. And sports science has gotten so much more developed. I think about when I started this. You know, we would travel with a pretty small group of people, relatively speaking. Now it seems like we're a rock tour going to city to city. So um, the NBA has developed as a franchise. Every franchise has to develop and evolve along with it. I think that's a great point. And, you know, you mentioned the, the front office changes and uh, and also just the, the roster changes that we've been talking about. You know, with all that happening, 
Um, what are your projections for this up upcoming season? Do you think they're going to, need to be improved, maybe the same as last season, um, worse off? Uh, what's kind of your, your predictions for this upcoming season? Well, no, I think improved. I mean, definitely improved. I mean, I, again, I think the, the unfortunate thing was, was uh, you know, to, to, to John's credit, he actually tried to play longer than he probably even should have. And uh, because he didn't want to That's sit down and he very didn't want to stop. And, he, and he, he's a special player. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, we're going to go, we don't go into the season expecting that our projected starting center will miss 72 games. So that, that alone makes a difference. So, um, uh, you know, based on that, it's, it's, uh, I definitely expect better. I, I, this team can, uh, you know, make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, I, again, I, when when you haven't played one game or haven't even started training camp, I always hate to say, well, this is a 40-win team, this is a 50-win right. <laughs> it, it, The NBA season is a long journey with, with, with you know, so many things, and God forbid that there is some key injury along the way or whatever to a player that's, that, that is so specific to what you're doing, then that, that changes what the, uh, uh, the win projection is. So, um, you know, that's why I, I use the, you know, I don't think you put it as a hashtag or a, a marketing slogan, but I think, you know, this is going to be a, a team that's going to be uh, competitive and it's going to be, you're not going to want to play against because they're going to be able to score against you. You're going to have to show up. Um, and if they get the defensive right, uh, you know, again, if they got the defense right last year, I would have been a playoff team without John Wall and have made the playoffs before missing John Wall. That's not the, the, the MO and the game plan they want to use uh, because they're a better team with John Wall, but, but, uh, but they also show they're more than just John Wall. Yeah. So most, most definitely I'm, I'm absolutely with you there. So I have three more quick questions for you and then we'll, we'll let you go. Cause I know you're busy, but um, my third to last question, what do you think would, would the wizards and the wizards fans would define to be a successful season this upcoming year for the wizards? Well, I think, what do I think the fans will think? Well, the, the fans or even just yourself, what would you define to be like, yeah. a, or think to be a successful season for the team this this upcoming year? Well, I, I think for, if it, you're talking about me, if I think we, we, if we, you know, make, get back in the playoffs and, and make those strides necessary uh, or that you feel like, all right, this is, this is going in the, in the, in the right direction again, that'll be a success. And, what I mean, I mean, I've done this long enough to know you can you can get a sense that I, you know, we're, we're on to something here. We're starting to, we're starting to, we got forward progress. Uh, you know, I've been in situations where you feel like, you know, we're just treading water. I feel like I've been in situations where uh -oh, we're we're <laughs> we're definitely going downhill. So, you know, for me, it's just when you start to feel that wind at your back again. You know, okay, we're winning games. We're playing defense. Nobody's getting hurt. Oh, all look, young now players. <laughs> Right. So, right. Uh, you yeah. know, for fans, it's going to be, the, <laughs> it's, <laughs> that's fair. It's probably you know, a yeah, different answer. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, fans are, but, but I, I mean, our fans are educated and they understand the realities, but the reality is right. every fan in, in 30 NBA cities, unless you, um, unless you make the, unless you win it all is, is, uh, you know, that's what, that's what they want to see. Uh, you know, the NBA is a tough league. I mean, you look at, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, you know, over the last 50 years, not that many teams have won a title. There's been so many multiple yep. title winners. It's just the, the, the way the, the league has been structured. So, um, you know, while the Wizards, uh, you know, we can point to our title in 
uh, you know, 78 and, and et cetera, but that's, that's a long time ago. And it's getting to the point where, you know, that, that seems like back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, but there's so <laughs> many other franchises, good franchises that can't point to one uh, NBA title, which, which uh, it, it, it's a testament to how uh, hard it is to, to win it all. And, you know, every team goes into the season with that dream. Some more than others have, chances of realizing that uh, that dream but I think what you want to see if you're ever going to get to that point uh, you know it, it's got to start somewhere and the, the momentum start start have to go starts have going in, in, in a positive direction again and I think you know that's that's what I look for from this year we have a tremendous coach uh, in Scott Brooks, Scott Brooks. They, yep. uh, yeah so uh, you know I have every faith in you know what he can do, or what he can accomplish, and how he, how he can coach, and you know now it's now it's just go let's go play some games. And he's got some young players to develop, which you know it's it kind of back in his days with Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Uh, I think exactly. I, I think that's a, an area where Scotty can really flourish, and I'm really excited to watch this team. So my last two questions I have for you here, Dave. Uh, the first one's kind of quick because I feel like you you kind of already touched on it, but I mentioned that uh, the Vegas has the Wizards at 27 and a half wins for this upcoming season. That puts them at 13th in the East, which seems a little low to me, uh, in front of Cleveland and Charlotte, respectively. So are, are you taking the over or the under? And uh, kind of from what you mentioned, I'm, I'm kind of thinking you might be taking the over here. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not smart enough. Uh, I don't even understand how football yeah, betting works. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> 30 years. So, uh, um, you know, my idea of gambling is staying at a low-budget hotel. So it's just uh, <laughs> the, the – the, um, uh, you know <laughs> – uh, they, not even they, from a gambling standpoint. We, we just use that as a as a target. No, no, no. no. But I mean, yeah, look, I just, yeah, no. And and, I, and actually, my answer to that is that's fine. Yeah, uh, okay. That's what that's what they think. I'd rather uh, I'd rather have a bunch of people thinking they're going to be thirteenth and finish sixth or seventh or eighth than everyone expecting to finish sixth or seventh or eighth and finish thirteenth. So right. right. Um, I I think this this team is is much better than. Um, only two teams in the East, and I, and I think it'll show that. Definitely. So my last question for you is kind of a fun one, um, and I want you to just hit me with three quick predictions for your team this year, and they can be team-related or individual-related. So, like, for example, uh, just one I'm throwing out there for fun is, like, you know, or as, as an example is, uh, you know, Brian Thomas might be most improved player, or Bradley Bill might go crazy and win the MVP this year, um, or, you know, something more realistic like um, – like you mentioned, that uh, you think that the Wizards might make the playoffs. You know, just three predictions, either team or individual related, for this upcoming season. Um, you know, I, Isaiah Thomas will be comeback player of the year as he comes back from from injury. I don't know if he qualifies I like for that. that. I, like that. Um, I, I think I think um, uh, the Wizards will make the playoffs. That is a prediction. I have a good feel about you know what this what this team can do. Um, and, uh, you know, I think Bradley Beal will be a first-team All-Star. I like it. That's good. And I think that those are all fair fair points as well. So, Dave, I think that's all I have for you. You know, like I said, I, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, guys, like I mentioned, Dave Johnson is the play-by-play announcer for the Washington Wizards, uh, particularly those of you that are tuning in, hopefully from the from the uh, D.C. area. You guys will, will get to listen to him uh, this upcoming season. Uh, he also is the play-by-play announcer for the D.C. United and he is the sports director of WTOP Radio. Once again, give Dave a follow over uh, uh, on Twitter, at DaveJSports, and, and be sure to, to let him know how appreciative you guys are of, of him coming on and, and talking some Wizard basketball with us during this 
so part of the offseason. <laughs> so thank you again, Dave. Well, we look. Yeah, thank you, and we look uh, again. It's it's exciting that we're at this time of year that you know we're the, this close to it all starting, and and again, it's once it begins, the there's no better journey than the NBA. You've got you know, billions of people on the planet, but we've got 400, 500 of the best basketball players, and and it's um it's not going to be watching night in, night out. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's uh, and that's why it, it makes it it makes it fun, and that's why you appreciate uh, the champions and the teams that have the utmost success, and and that's why you keep striving to reach that point. Absolutely, I'm with you for sure. Thank goodness we're almost to that point. <laughs> so thanks again today for coming on. Again, you gave us some great content. We're very thankful. And next up, we have Philip who will be covering the Orlando Magic. But before that, one more word from our sponsors. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your special offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Why should you try Harry's? Well, Harry's founders were two regular guys hired to getting ripped off and paying for overpriced razors. Harry's makes quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. This summer, refresh your wallet and your face with a Harry's trial set. It comes with a weighted ergonomic handle for an easy grip, Five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade for a close shave, rich lathering shave gel that will leave you smelling great, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy on the go. Listeners of the Uncontested can redeem their trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. Make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your offer and let them know that Taylor sent you to help support the show. Now here is Philip Rossman Reich here to preview the Orlando Magic. And we are joined by Philip Rossman Reich, a site expert and editor for the Orlando Magic Daily and OrlandoMagicDaily.com and host of the Locked On Magic podcast. You can find Philip on Twitter at Philip, that's one L, P H I L I P, Philip R R underscore O M D. And you can find him and his podcast at Locked On Magic. Be sure to check out his content, excuse me, content, like I mentioned, at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And Philip, thank you again so much for coming on today to talk, uh, talk your magic. Not a problem. Always happy to talk a little little magic basketball. All right. So just a, a quick recap of, of last season. The Magic ended up at 42-40. and 40. That was good for 7th in the East. Uh, they made the playoffs, and unfortunately, they lost in the first round. But they lost to the eventual NBA champions, the Toronto Raptors. So honestly, not that bad of a loss. You guys played them pretty well also. Yeah, and as I, <laughs> as I like to point out to people, uh, Kawhi Leonard had his lowest points per game average in the playoffs against the Orlando Magic. So Aaron Gordon gets a gold star for that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and then so uh, looking ahead uh, to this coming season, over the summer, your guys' biggest moves probably where you re-signed Nikola Vucevic, Vucevic to a four-year, $100 million deal, re-signed Terrence Ross as well to a the same time frame, four years, $54 million deal, signed, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this name because I always do, even when he was on the Blazers, but they signed Al Farouk Amino, uh, Aminu in free agency to a three-year, $29 million deal, which was a pretty big free agency, uh, free agent signing, and then uh, you guys lost Jerry Grant and Timofey Mozgov. But you added Aminu, uh, Josh Maggetti, uh, and then uh, oh, okay, Majet. I was because I hadn't <laughs> heard of him, so I had to do a little research before the podcast. Now uh, I am a Tulsa alum, so I was very excited to see this name, and I've really enjoyed following along with this this particular player throughout uh, the summer league. Daquan Jeffries, a another TU alum, and then Vic Law, 
and then you guys ended up drafting He's my guy uh, too <laughs> yeah okay good that's good to know we'll dive into him i'm excited to talk about him and then you guys uh, drafted okiki out of auburn and then traded actually you guys drafted Taylor horton tucker but traded him to the lakers for a 2020 second round pick um from an injury standpoint Going into the season, like I mentioned, Okiki, he played for Auburn, but unfortunately tore his ACL in the NCAA tournament in March. So unfortunately, you guys will probably not have him throughout the season. Uh, he'll probably be doing a lot of rehab. We have Markel Foltz, who is still without a timetable, but all signs are fairly positive so far. Um, we're hoping to see him as soon as possible, maybe the beginning of the season. And then Melvin Fraser Jr. underwent a procedure to repair a fractured right tibia in June. Um, but outside of that, knock on wood, seemed to be fairly healthy. Uh, no changes from last season when it comes to the coaching or front office. And then salary situation. Uh, this is from our, our friend of the pod, Keith Smith. We've had him on the, the podcast a couple times. He has a great cap spreadsheet that I've been using for these. And uh, he has Orlando at $39,452,766 over the cap which puts them about $3.7 million under the luxury tax. Um, and then finally, West, per Westgate, we, uh, the, he, they had the over-unders for the Magic at 42 wins, which is right at where they were last season, uh, interesting enough. And, and, you know, there weren't a bunch of big changes, so that, that may be accurate, but I'm curious to get your takes on it. So, Philip, first off, uh, give us your thoughts on any Fraden signings or re-signings and the draft that your team had this summer. Yeah, I mean it was it was an odd summer for Orlando because because uh, they obviously made the playoffs for the first time in seven years and you know for, this is a small market franchise and and a, and a team that's been hungry for success since Dwight Howard left seven years ago uh, and so getting to the playoffs experiencing that success it was hard for them to then turn around and say our all star center our first all star in seven years you go out in free agency and, and you know, we're not going to get anything back in return. Or, or to go to a very popular player here in Orlando and the sixth man, Terrence Ross, and, and do the same. And so a lot of Orlando's summer had to be spent trying to find the right deal to bring those guys back. And, and by all accounts, it sounds like they both wanted to be back in Orlando. They both got, I would say, fair, uh, if not at market, slightly above market deals uh, to, to come back to Orlando. And the Magic decided... Our best bet to stay relevant, to stay in the playoffs, to position ourselves for the future is to bring back the same roster and hope for a little internal development. And so that's essentially what the Magic did. I mean, you, you talk about the, the guys that the Magic let go or, or lost this year. Jaron Grant was out of the rotation by the end of the year. Uh, 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 the other guy, Timothy Mozgov, didn't play at all last year. He's essentially a, a dead salary for the team and, and now is literally dead salary because he was, he was <laughs> <Right>. stretched. And <laughs> then uh, Emil, and then uh, Jarrell Martin, who I thought actually played pretty well, um, was also was also allowed to go out into free agency. He ended up signing, I believe, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So it's it, the Magic really, you know, from a playoff team last year, did not lose any rotation players. Plus, you know, they're kind of bringing in two, two essentially rookies and Markel Fultz, who's coming, who's coming off his injury, and Mohamed Bamba, who played about 50 games last year before he suffered uh, a leg injury and had to miss the rest of the season too. So they're, they're, they're an interesting mix of players. They're, they're one, they know what they can do on the floor, and they're just hoping that young guys like Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Mo Bamba, and Markel Fultz can, can take a step up and, and prove that there's a path forward to enter, you know, maybe contention in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, Our, so, oh, sorry, go ahead, Nick. Uh, so I mean, so t so touching on those guys and, and kind of the the off season moves in general, is there anybody um, that departed the roster that you were concerned about, or is there anyone in general that that you're going to miss on the roster this upcoming season? 
you know, I, 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 I hate to say it, but they're re- the Magic really didn't lose anybody that they're going to miss. Uh, you know, Jonathan Simmons, you know, was an interesting guy, but didn't play up to snuff, and they traded him for Markel Fultz. Um, everyone else, you know, I, I like Jarrell Martin. I thought the minutes that he got, he played well, but they were essentially spot-up minutes when, you know, one of the pow- one of the forwards was hurt or, you know, or, or something like that or something, or when Aaron Gordon got into foul trouble, he was kind of an emergency forward that they had. Uh, and you really, well, I think he did really, really well. He could only play him in, in like, limited minutes. And Al Farouk, uh, bringing in Al Farouk Aminu to essentially take up his minutes, you know, maybe take some minutes from a guy like Wes Owundu, which might be a little unfair to Wes Owundu, but uh, to bring in a, a, a guy who started in this league for the last two, three years in Al Farouk Aminu and is probably going to be a high-level backup is, I think, a, a really uh, interesting move rotation-wise, but a really good move to add depth and, and support to this roster. So I don't think the Magic will be missing anyone that they, that they let go. And that's a perfect transition. I'm, I'm with you entirely there. And um, so you spoke on depth, and I'm curious to kind of get your thoughts on team depth. And just along those lines, like you said, it was uh, there wasn't a whole lot of change outside of just uh, re-signing some guys, making sure they came back, and then drafting some new players, some, some more youth. So touch on team depth a little bit, if you don't mind. And then also, are you expecting any changes throughout the season after a relatively calm uh, offseason for the Magic? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how this rotation shakes out because Steve Clifford likes to play nine nine man rotations. He wants to make sure that everyone gets enough time to kind of get into a rhythm and and that, that he can play his his starting players. Uh, but there are some really interesting battles that are going to take place. Uh, Al Farouk Aminu is going to be wanting time at the four and the three. Uh, Wessa Wundu, who I thought had a really nice season last year from Kansas uh, Kansas from Kansas State. Uh, had a really nice year last year, and his second year really improved his three-point shooting. He's someone that's going to be fighting for minutes at the two and three. Really, uh, and then Ken Birch and Mohamed Bamba are going to be fighting for minutes at center. And you know, you could argue that that Mo Bamba's injury it happened right when the Magic made their turnaround uh, last season when they started going twenty-two nine. It happened when Mo Bamba left the left the rotation, and Mo Bamba looked like a rookie for good chunks of last year. Where Ken Birch is a little more solid and understanding of where he needs to be defensively, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Magic balance developing Mo Bamba out with you know with the thought of hey we got to win. Uh, I think the other part, the, the the biggest weakness this team has is still at point guard because DJ Augustine is a serviceable starter. I think the Magic really trust trust him, but after him you're relying on Michael Michael Carter Williams who had a really nice run with the Magic last year. Uh, but you know he's got his issue. he's got his issues and his inconsistencies, especially with his shot. And then you're relying on Markel Fultz being healthy, which while I am also a Markel Fultz optimist, that's a little bit of a question. That's definitely a question mark still for whether what he's going to be con- able to contribute this year and how the team moves forward. Um, you know, I really think Markel Fultz, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about him in a minute, is the real wild card for this team because he certainly has the talent to take over that starting job, even if DJ Augustin is playing really, really well. Uh, and and what he anything he can provide the magic could could really make this team interesting moving forward. I am also a Markel Fultz optimist. I think acquiring him uh, and the kind of the situation you guys are in. I mean, a lot of people call it a high risk move, but in my opinion, I mean, what do you have to lose? Um, I mean, I think that. Jonathan he, Simmons in a first round pick from the Thunder that's not going to convey to them. Right, right, <laughs> right. So, I yeah, mean, that's fair. That's, that's something that. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have been mad if the, if the Thunder had made that same uh, type of trade. He's a guy that has a lot of upside if he comes back healthy and can get that confidence back. But all things considered, what are your projections for the team overall this season? 
Uh, Taylor mentioned their um, projected win total is about the same as last season. Uh, do you see them being better, worse than last season? Do you expect them to make the playoffs again? Uh, do you have any um, indications they could even be somewhat of a contender? Um, you know, I think I think my expectations are they're going to fall somewhat right around where where they were last year, like forty, like somewhere in that kind of forty to forty-five win range. I, I don't know if they're quite ready to take that next step. And and frankly, I think another thing that that you know the Magic counted on last year uh, was a lot of injury luck. Um, Nikola Vucevic played eighty games. Aaron Gordon, I think, played seventy-eight. Jonathan Isaac played seventy-six. DJ Augustin played eighty-one. Uh, essentially, their top six guys all played. 75 games or more last year. And that's incredible injury luck. And like I said, really the only major injury the Magic faced was Mo Bamba uh, fracturing his leg in January. And arguably that helped them because it cleared the way for Ken Birch to enter the lineup. And he provided a lot of a, a lot of uh, uh, defensive presence and, and was just a lot more solid in understanding the schemes coming off the bench. Um, I, I don't know if the Magic are going to be able to get that kind of injury luck again. Um, but I do think that the Magic will kind of fall about where they were in the win total last year. They'll, they'll be a, a, around 500, probably slightly above. Um, but what I'm really interested in and what I think is the real measure for the Magic this season about whether they're taking a step forward or not is not so much the win total, but where they place within the Eastern Conference. Are they sneaking into the playoffs as a, as a seven seed on the second to last game of the year, second to last game of the year like they did last season? Or... Are they in the hunt for home court advantage? Are they, you know, fighting for for the fifth and sixth seed rather than the seventh or eighth seed? I think that's really what's going to make the difference for the Magic. I don't think they're quite ready to contend and really hit that upper echelon. But you know, who knows? Aaron Gordon's going to be 24 when the season starts. Jonathan Isaac's only 21. Those guys could take a leap. You know, Markel Fultz could enter the fray and and help them help the team take a leap, and they could be sneaky. You know, one of the top teams in the East for for a little while or just outside that top tier. They certainly have that potential, in my opinion. But more likely than not, they're just going to take either an incremental step or kind of stay about where they were last year, and that'll give the Magic a lot of information about where they go next. Hey, that's fair. And actually, this is a good chance, uh, Philip. I follow you on your on Twitter, and you recently, um, t- to give you a plug here, I believe you, you tweeted out an article and mentioned uh, how the Magic are this this offseason proved that they're not banking on good good injury health and or good luck with uh, with health this upcoming season. And, uh, you know, they, they try to prepare for in case something like that were to happen. Um, and so kind of going in, it, kind of based off of that, we're going to dive into some ex- expectations that you have for this upcoming season for the Magic. Uh, you, you talked about their, their win projections and stuff, but are there any breakout players this season or any underrated players you think that maybe the uh, the national media hasn't touched on yet. And it seems like Markel Fultz, you mentioned him a couple times, might be one of those guys. So um, this might be a good time to kind of dive into that. You know, ha- have you heard anything about when the Magic could expect him to play and kind of how his his rehab has been going uh, since he's been in Orlando? Yeah, I mean, Markel Fultz is the obvious answer to, to this question just because it, no one really knows what he can do. He obviously has a ton of talent, and, and I don't think that talent just goes away. It's just about right. him being healthy and, and him him going through the process. And I, I am an, I'm a Markel Fultz optimist. I've kind of said the entire time that if, if the Magic said, we need you to play tomorrow for a playoff game, Markel Fultz is, you know, not in basketball shape, there'd be rust, but, you know, excusing rust, if Markel Fultz needed to play a basketball game tomorrow, 
I think he could play a basketball game tomorrow. I don't think that's like the in terms issue of physical him. health. Like yes, he'd be, yeah, he'd be he's, right. he's gotcha. physically he's physically well, able to play basketball. I mean, this is just my perception of things. I, I right. I right. don't think I don't know if this is true or not. Uh, you know, there's nothing. There's no like he's not in a sling keeping him out of playing mm-hmm. basketball. Like he he's doing basketball work. The question is, can he play that way pain free? Can he stay pain free? Uh, you know, with with the thoracic outlet syndrome he's dealing with, uh, so that he can play for a month straight or for the whole season straight without, without having to stop and say, you know, my, you know, my shoulder's hurting. Uh, you know, I think there's, right. I think there's a, re- I mean, I know there's, you know, this, you know, I know there's some people who don't believe that the injury is real. The injury is real. And, and, and it's, and I, I think there is, there's something there. And, and he, I think rightfully took kind of took a pause and said, I need to figure this out because it, it is hurting me. And, and I think, you know, I think there's, you know, I I think that there are some things handled wrong by both sides, by both sides, both Philadelphia and the Fultz camp. But I think now the Magic are kind of in his corner, saying, you know, you need to take the time you want. We believe in you. We're willing to invest in you. Get get yourself healthy. Um, so you know, the Magic have kind of said the entire time, the entire way through this offseason, whenever they've been asked by it, we're not putting a timetable on his return. We're not going to limit. You know, we're not going to say you have to be ready to play by training camp. Um, uh, they're they're not they're not doing anything like that. They're going to wait for his body to respond to the treat to the treatment to the therapy, uh, and and he'll come back when his body is ready to come back. And I I think that's the right approach with a young player. But back, to, but sorry, um, but back, oh, to, but back to like kind of this big question of breakout players. I think the player that the national media sometimes mischaracterizes and and, and is not quite sure about, and and I think we'll have a really good year this year, is Aaron Gordon. Um, I, every, I mean, I, Magic fans get a little touchy with the national media because it, it just always seems like everyone assumes the Magic are bad or, or, or are the team that they were for the last seven years, uh, for the last six years. Um, but I, I, I was really in love with Aaron Gordon's game this year. Uh, he averaged 16 points per game, which was down from 2018, but he was a lot more efficient. He was a be- His three-point percentage continues to creep up. He averaged a career high in assists. He increases assists per game to 3.7 per game, I believe, up like almost one and a half assists per game. He is a much more balanced player offensively, and he's kind of rediscovered his defense, which is really what ma- what uh, his goals were entering the league. And, and I think Aaron Gordon is due for a breakout season this year. Every every summer that he's been healthy, he has added something new to his game that has made himself better. And I, I'm an Aaron Gordon believer. I think he is knocking on the door of becoming an All Star, and it would yeah. not would not surprise me if if that happens this year. That he is that he is the guy for this team, and and I think this is a big year for Aaron Gordon on that front. The talent's absolutely there with with Aaron Gordon, but that's such a, a great and uh, interesting answer because the, the answer I was kind of expecting, to be honest, was obviously Markel Fultz, but then also um, a name that we've been hearing just uh, being NBA fans and being plugged into uh, to NBA media is Jonathan Simmons, uh, or excuse me, not uh, not Simmons. Wow, why did I just go blank? Um, Jonathan Isaac. Uh, Isaac. We, Goodness. The, ma- the magic. The magic. <laughs> la- the two years ago, the magic had. Jonathan Isaac and Jonathan Simmons, and Jonathan who, spelled Simmons. Their names, who spelled their name differently, and Aaron Aflalo and Aaron Gordon, who also spelled their name differently. So it was, that it was had to be fun, so tough, time. like yeah, typing time. up articles and yeah, post game, post game recaps. Sure spelled right, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, so Jonathan Isaac, you know, we I, I feel like we've been seeing quite a bit about him and um, how he's poised for a, a big breakout year. So I really like that answer about Aaron Gordon. I think that's that's great. So this next question is is kind of a two part question. Um, that may actually turn into a one-part question. So I want you to tell me what would you consider a successful season for the Orlando Magic? And also, what do you think 
the general Magic fan base would consider a successful season. Um, I don't know if if what your consideration would be would would line up with what the with the casual fan would consider successful. So, kind of break that down on what you would consider a successful season. Uh, so I, I think the casual fan would say a successful season for the Magic is competing for home court advantage, you know, or, or ending up as a five or six seed, like being comfortably in the playoffs. And, and I would agree that that is a su- successful season. I think the baseline for success, just, you know, you know, you know, the first check mark, you know, you're, you're one star on domination on, on NBA 2K. Um, the, the baseline for success is to make the playoffs again. Um, I've kind of come to, to call last season a proof of concept. The, it's just essentially the team proved that they are a playoff team, that they have playoff capabilities, and they've raised the level of expectation within the organization. They've kind of pushed away the rebuild and, and how and how bad it was, and now they're competing for something, and, and they're expected to compete for something. Transition so, to like a new phase of, of exactly. magic basketball, yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I think to me, just bottom line, baseline of success, you know, if, if we're calling it pass, fa- if this season's pa- a pass-fail grade, a pass, gra- a pass grade is simply make the playoffs again. It's to prove that last year wasn't a fluke and that this team is good enough to just to just be a consistent playoff team. I, I know fans fear being in the wheel of mediocrity, and I agree that is something to fear, but first got to get to media- mediocre. First got to be mediocre before you start worrying about, okay, now we're not taking steps forward. How do we take a step forward? How do we, how do we make that next, next play? I think just baseline pass-fail make the playoffs again, prove that 2019 wasn't a fluke, and that you know from 2019 to 2022, 2023, whatever it is, you're, you're guaranteeing yourself to be a playoff team. Then you figure out how to take that next step, how to, how to jump up to the next level. And, and you might jump up to the next level this year, and I think that's certainly very possible. But I think just bottom line, pass-fail, make the playoffs again, miss the playoffs, season's a failure, period. I, I don't think there's any way around it. Make the playoffs you can at least say that you copied your success from last year and now you can start figuring out, okay, how do, what's the next move on this chessboard? I love that. I think that's that's perfect and, and I think you're you're right on there uh, for sure. So we have two last questions here for you, Philip, and then we'll let you go and, and get ready for that hurricane, I guess. Kind of crazy. <laughs> um, so the first one that I have here is, we mentioned earlier that Vegas has the magic over-under number at 42 wins and we've talked about that a couple times already. That would put them at eighth in the East, uh, a game and a half behind Miami, who would be the seventh seed if, if we're going off those projections. Are you taking the over or the under for this Magic team? I'm I'm going to take the over, but but very slightly. I think they'll end up at like 43 or 44 wins. Um, I don't know where that will place them in the Eastern Conference. I think the East is, especially in those middle seeds, pretty wide open. Um, I, I, I tend to, at this point of the year to kind of tier teams. And I think Orlando's in that like kind of second tier with you know Toronto, Indiana, Miami, and and maybe Detroit as well. So I think Orlando's in that group that should feel that they are a almost definite playoff team. Uh, it's just about you know where they're going to end up seeding, and and I, I you know I, I'm not I'm not always a huge fan of going at like specific win totals, but I think the Magic will end up kind of at that about at that mark, maybe a little bit over. So the last question here, I know you mentioned before the pod, you're not a huge hot take guy, but Give us three takes, three predictions for the Magic this year, uh, whether it's team-related or more individual-based. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think I think I previewed one of my hot takes already, and that is that I think Aaron Gordon is going to be an all an all-star, if not this year, then the next year. I think that he is 
on the path to really make a dent in this league. And, and I think that if the Magic are going to take the next next step in their in their progression, you know, they're going to need Nikola Vucevic and his consistency. And, and I'm not putting Vucevic down by any means, but because uh, we haven't talked about him a lot in this podcast and he's, he's a freaking all-star. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that Aaron Gordon is ready to take on that mantle. And, and I, think, I think we're going to see, if not an all-star year, I think we will see him make all def- an all-defensive team. Uh, and so I think, I think Aaron Gordon will kind of enter the national conversation in one way or another. Um, another take that I have, um, I, I noted I'm a Marco Fultz optimist. I think Markel Fultz will be ready and playing by the beginning of training camp. I think that he will be participating in preseason games, and I think he will he will start the season with start the season in a Magic uniform, not in a Magic practice uniform. So I think I think he is. I think that the Magic are trying to hold off optimism, but I'm an optimist. I think that he will be ready to play when camp begins. Um, and uh, uh, that I guess the, the 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 third hot take um, is I think that the Magic will will finish. You know, with the six seed, I think that I think that they'll win the Southeast Division again, and I think that they'll they'll end up taking a, taking another step forward and 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 making the playoffs pretty comfortably, and and kind of show that that hey, they are a solid playoff team. You know, maybe not a team that's threatening to get out of the first round quite yet, or you know, a little bit more of a challenge this year than they were last year. But I think that they will they will kind of cement themselves as a solid playoff team in the Eastern Conference. I love all three of those. I think all three of those are great, and uh, we're really thankful that you came on and and gave us that that insight. You know, and I think those are, are all three very obtainable, and and I'm with you there. I, I like those a lot. So, Philip, you've been great. Like I said, you've given us some great content. I wish we could just stay on another 40 minutes and have an hour long podcast with you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, well, well, we'll have to do that when the Chris Paul rumors start up again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say we need to link back up during the season. Yeah, and especially if there's a Thunder and Orlando trade, we'll we'll be sure to to get back get back on together and um yeah we'll, we'll do a joint pot or something that'd be pretty fun <laughs> yeah absolutely so, Thank, thanks for having me on guys yeah you're welcome so uh just once again philip he's a site expert and editor for the orlando, orlando magic daily you can find their stuff over at the orlando magic daily.com and then also be sure to give him a, fo- a follow on twitter at philip that's philip with one l philip rr underscore omd and you can also find him again at Locked On Magic, the Locked On Magic podcast. And you can find their Twitter handle, goodness, I can't talk now, which is the exact same. So thank you again, Philip. And we look forward to hearing, through, to hearing from you throughout the season. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. So another big thank you to Philip for coming on the podcast, uh, especially after I wasn't able to to use words at the end of uh, that season preview. <laughs> so we really appreciate him coming on and talking to us. Up next, we have Nick Fay uh, to preview the Brooklyn Nets upcoming season. However, before that, a word from one more sponsor. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, Blue Wire listeners and the Uncontested listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. 60 days, that's two months. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customers. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com. 
click on the, the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That's shipstation.com, then enter promo code blue. Shipstation.com, make ship happen. Hey guys, Justin and Taylor here, and we are now joined by Nick Fay to talk a little bit about the Brooklyn Nets. Nick is the host of the Brooklyn Buzz podcast, the NBA Outlet podcast, and he's the head of Off the Glass. You can find him on Twitter at OTG underscore Nick. Thanks so much for joining us today, Nick. Guys, I'm super pumped to be here. I love talking Brooklyn Nets. I love what you guys are doing on Contested. Uh, always excited to talk hoops. Awesome. Well, we are excited to have you, and we have a lot to talk about with Yes, Brooklyn. we do. It was a, You should be excited. It was a fun <laughs> summer for you guys, Nick. It was. <laughs> it couldn't be much better, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so to give our listeners a recap, uh, last season, Brooklyn went 42-40, and 40, which was good for sixth place in the Eastern Conference. And if you take a look at what's happened since then, uh, the answer is a lot. So I'm not going to go through it all. I know on a lot of these, we've kind of gone through all the transactions that have occurred. But honestly, we could fill the entire time slot just talking about those transactions. So I'm going to kind of highlight them. The players that are no longer a part of the Nets include Damari Carroll, D'Angelo Russell, Jared Dudley, Alan Crabb, Ed Davis, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, and Alan Williams. The players that have been added include Torian Prince, Garrett Temple, Wilson Chandler, David Nwaba, Nicholas Claxton, and of course, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Jordan. And then we have the most recent news, which is that we have a Karis Levert uh, extension, which has been signed. So he's re-upped off his rookie deal, a three-year, $52 million extension, which is a, another fantastic piece for Brooklyn. Absolutely. Uh, so they've, they've got a, a lot of new players that they've injected. It's, it's almost a totally new team. They've retained a couple of the uh, role players that are, I think are going to be great assets for them. I think the big kind of looming question for this next season is obviously uh, the Kevin Durant injury. We'll get into that uh, in a little bit. And then as far as salary goes, uh, they're looking at $126 million roughly for next season with a little over half of that going to KD and Kyrie, a situation that we are not too unfamiliar with as Oklahoma City fans. And looking at next season projections, uh, Westgate's got them at 43.5, which is good, again, for the sixth seed in the East. So, Nick, uh, that was a lot. <laughs> it, was, it was a busy offseason. Uh, give us your overall impressions on how the summer went. You kind of alluded to it a second ago, but it was a good summer for the Nets. What are you feeling as, as you look at Brooklyn right now heading into next season? I mean, it really couldn't have gone much better compared to where Sean Marks took over the team, you know, three or four years ago into where they're at now. Like, they literally just signed two of the best players in the NBA and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and then they still were able to keep a lot of the core pieces. You mentioned Karis LeVert getting the extension, Jared Allen still under contract, picking up a nice young guy like Torian Prince. Just the Nets are set to be really good right now and in the future, and they've made a lot of good moves. Obviously, KD's health is going to be a big factor what happens moving forward, but it goes to show you that you know tanking is not the only way to rebuild in the NBA. Sean Marks did it a completely different way in terms of, all right, I'm going to bring in a whole bunch of young pieces and kind of let them uh, work with my coaching staff that's great with player development, and we're going to get the best out of these guys, and we're going to sell that to some of the big-name players, and they're going to want to come to Brooklyn, and we saw that happen this summer. I think, I think you bring up a great point that you know we, as we look at the Thunder, there's been a lot of talk about where does OKC head from here? 
Do they go full on tanking traditional rebuild or do they go maybe a more untraditional route like you've seen a team like Brooklyn go? And I think it's it gives us a little bit of optimism as we look at Oklahoma City's situation with the draft assets that they have that they might not have to go through, you know, years of winning 15 games in order to get back in the conversation. There's other avenues they could take. And I think you see that with Brooklyn. And especially because OKC has draft picks. You know, you look at the Nets when Sean Marks took over, they had no picks. So there's a a lot of ways for OKC to speed this up, in my opinion. They could move those picks a couple different ways and still end up, you know, in a faster spot than what a lot of people expected. So what you're saying is we can end up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie caliber players, right? (laughs) Maybe, maybe. No promises. (laughs) So so speaking of that, what's your opinion? Did that – KD and Kyrie coming to the Nets. Is that something that kind of shocked you uh, come free agency this this summer? Like, did you expect them to go to the Knicks? Or do you feel pretty confident uh, as we got closer to the end of July or the beginning of July there that um, that you guys were going to be able to main- maintain them or be able to obtain them? Excuse me. So I was actually, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. Like, I'm not going to lie. I was on a podcast, uh, a guesting on a podcast around February, and I was like, watch out for the Nets to be a dark horse for Kevin Durant. Like there's a couple different reasons why, like the culture, the fit, being in New York, and the Nets are just in a better situation than the Knicks are in terms of win total, culture-wise, front office-wise. You know the Knicks are improving, but they're not where the Nets are at. So obviously, right. I was still initially surprised. Like it finally came together. You know, you hear things, even the fact that Kyrie was rumored to come to the Nets for like three weeks before free agency started. You know, I wasn't gonna believe it till it happened. So I was super hyped, but I wasn't as surprised as you know maybe other people are because I really believed in what Sean Marks is doing. And there's been a lot of chatter, if you follow over the last couple of years, about players appreciating what they've done in Brooklyn. They've really made the whole organization player-centric. It's all about getting the best out of you, taking care of you, your family, your health. It's all about like putting the player first. So I think especially the big names and guys like Kyrie and Kevin Durant respect that. I think you heard that from Kevin Durant specifically mentioned, you know, the strength of the front office is part of what attracted him there. And I think that, that that's huge today when you have players really kind of taking control of where they can head. That's what they're going to look for. Yes, you know, being in New York and L.A. is important. But as you can see, by choosing Brooklyn over the Knicks, uh, obviously it's more than just location. Yeah. And sorry, I also, think you, sorry to cut you off. And it just looks no, you're just like Kevin Durant looking where he's at with his injury. Hey, maybe I won't be 100% the same player. The Nets are going to surround me with other good young players like a Karis LeVert, a Spencer Dinwiddie, a Jared Allen to help make my life easier as I get older. That's a great point. Uh, And that is interesting because Kevin Durant signed uh, that long-term deal, which is something that he hasn't done since he left Oklahoma City. He was on the kind of shorter deals. So what are your thoughts about that, you know, kind of locking up Kevin Durant on this longer-term deal? Does it feel secure, or do you still kind of uh, feel a little bit like he could leave at any time given what we've seen happen this summer with guys like Paul George? I think uh, KD is in, like, a different class of player. You know, like, same as LeBron is, like, you're not really going to see them demand trades. Like the situation is just going to kind of change around them. So I feel pretty confident about him staying in Brooklyn the entire contract. And I think from the perspective of him just tearing the Achilles, which is obviously we all know a major injury, it kind of gives him some security. I know he's fully confident he'll get back, but you still have to go, you know, the safe route sometimes and collect the money when you can. You never know what can happen. So uh, kind of along those same lines, do you expect there to be other player movement um, throughout the season? Or do you believe that they'll pretty much just ride with this core, uh, bank on Kevin Durant being healthy hopefully next season or as close to healthy as possible, and just kind of have a pretty stable season in terms of of changes and trades and and whatnot throughout this coming season? Yeah, I think this year if there were any moves, it would be of the smaller caliber, you know, bench players, 
fifth start or something along those lines. If the Nets were going to make a big move, I think it would probably be either next offseason or the next season when Kevin Durant is back 100% healthy. Maybe the other pieces aren't gelling. They want to move some of these good young assets and turn it into maybe another all-star. But there is a potential of a guy like Karis LeVert being that guy. So I think this year they kind of are going to let it play out. And there's still a possibility, you know, of KD maybe returning late this season. You know, I wouldn't lock it in yet, but I really do think it's a possibility where he's at in his rehab. And I don't know if you guys have heard the crazy theories about right Achilles versus left Achilles. Guys with right Achilles have had a lot more success and have come back a lot quicker. And KD injured his right Achilles. Wow, that's interesting. That's really that interesting. Actually, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, that's cool. Because if you think about it from a basketball perspective, you know, right-handed player, you're, uh, you're um, exploding off your left leg. So if your left leg is messed up and you're not feeling confident, it's going to really impact your game. But your right leg, which you're not necessarily exploding off of as much, it's not going to necessarily impact you and you'll still feel confident in your left, which you've been using your whole life. Huh. That totally makes sense. I had never thought about it before. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't either. I can't come and take credit for this. this uh, <laughs> that, that's cool, though. I'm really glad. Yeah, I was going to say that's awesome you shared that. That's cool. Yeah, NetsDaily.com, so one of the, like, the fan posted that. So shout out to them. <laughs> Shout out Nets Daily. Uh, let's talk about the most recent news with the Nets, the the Karis LeVert extension. Can you talk about his importance to the team? And, you know, he was a guy that looked like he might be headed uh, for an all-star type season. Uh, and now to kind of lock him up and kind of at a discount, what does it mean for the Nets moving forward to, to be able to secure a guy like that? Well, I'll introduce this. Karis LeVert's actually my favorite player on the net. So I was super pumped when they signed him to the extension. Obviously, you mentioned last year with the dislocation. You know, that was sad to see. But it's so crazy he was able to come back for the postseason and almost be better than he was in the beginning of the season. He averaged like 20 a game, close to 50% from the field, 40% from three. Clearly the net's best player. So when I saw they got him for 17 a year and what we saw in the postseason, I don't think he's hit his ceiling yet. I was super excited. And like you said, it, it could really be a bargain for them moving forward. And, and I think Levert could be that third star for the Nets. I think he's a guy that could make them, instead of that duo, into a big three. Yeah because of his two-way ability you know a lot of people you know they see the playmaking the passing the scoring but defensively he's really good he's probably the Nets best on-ball uh, defender last season when healthy even Zach Lowe has mentioned he thinks uh, Karis Avert has first team all defense potential well I think when you look at the teams that have been you know quote-unquote dynasties yep. it kind of feels like uh, they always have a contract that they get at somewhat of a discount, whether it's because of injuries or because of uh, other situations like that. It always seems like there's kind of this hidden talent that they get at a discount that really allows them to, you know, use money elsewhere. And it, it felt like when I saw that Levert signing come through, that's kind of what it felt like to me. Yeah, and they almost did the same thing with Spencer Dinwiddie last year. They kind of got on him before he became a free agent, got him at a real discount. And another thing, just to point out with LeVert, yesterday was his birthday, and then it wasn't an accident the Nets extended him on his birthday. They are, like, all about things like that. I saw something That's about awesome. that. They actually they also uh, extended Dinwiddie. I, was it, like, a couple days after his grandmother's birthday who's played yeah. a really big role in raising him? Is it, okay, cool. I was going to say, I thought I, I saw that as well. Um, so that's really cool. And, and so this is a good transition. Uh, speaking of the front office, obviously Sean Marks has done an incredible job since he's he's coming to Brooklyn. What what do you think makes Sean Marks different from other GMs? What do you think makes him st- st- kind of stand out amongst uh, amongst the other GMs in the league? 
kind of like what I hinted at earlier, he's really player-centric. Like, he wants the players to feel at home, feel comfortable. He wants to get the best out of them. And he they, like, take care of your family, too. You know, Nets players have talked about them sending gifts to them on the holidays, things along those lines, really making them feel welcomed. And I think a lot of that has to do with Sean Mark's experience. You know, he was a journeyman in the NBA, played in a lot of different teams, spent some time on the Spurs coaching staff and in the front office. So he just has a lot of different viewpoints on the NBA, and he was kind of able to push them all together and create what the Nets are now. And he also does a great job of um, looking outside the box, getting creative. He hasn't didn't do as much this summer with the cap space and just getting the big names, but in the past, you know, the offer sheets he sent, and then also the Nets with what they do in their facility and as a team, you know, not just the front office, but the, the medical team, the performance team. They hire people from across the world, not just the United States. They'll have people from Australia, you know, Europe, Asia, whatever it may be. So they're looking to get the best of the best for their players. And I think what's interesting about that is, you know, you mentioned he may not have been maybe as creative this summer, but I think, you know, we talked about it when they made the move uh, to move Alan Crabb. Even the way that they did that deal when all of a sudden everybody around the league was going, the Nets just opened up uh, Max. A Lux. lot of cap space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. they're they're going to do something. Something's happening. Like, yeah. And then not to mention that they got Torian Prince as part of that, which is a guy that we talked about a lot uh, looking at as, as Thunder fans, that we would love to have a guy like Torian Prince. So to, to be able to open up a ton of cap space and get Torian Prince is a pretty savvy move. A hundred percent. I feel like uh, Torian Prince has been like the one guy that everyone's kind of forgot about for the Nets. Like he's a solid guy that they can develop. And he actually spent some time with the Nets G League team a few years ago when the Hawks didn't have a G League team. So they got a nice view on him to understand his game. And I think he'll fit really well in the offense. I know there's been some stats out there in terms of like catch and shoot for forwards. His effective field goal percentage was like 68% and clearly like the best in the league. So if he's able to stay healthy and prove his defense, he'll be a big part of what they're trying to do in Brooklyn. So let's talk about some of your expectations for this upcoming season. Is there anybody on the team that you see is kind of primed for a breakout year? Uh, it's tough to say if you view Karis LeVert as like a breakout player. You know, I think he did a great job of putting himself on the map in the beginning of last season and then in the playoffs. So I would say Karis LeVert would be my guy as a breakout player. But uh, Torian Prince would be another guy that I really like to keep an eye on. Those are two guys I, I personally am, am fans of just as an NBA fan. Uh, Lavert actually, <laughs> I kind of got on to him th this past season because I drafted him in my fantasy league, and he was just playing incredible before that yeah. injury. <laughs> so just, I mean, I, I have my fingers crossed for you guys that uh, that he will stay healthy and can just take those ne next steps that I think we all think he's capable of. So, you know, we, we talked about breakout players. Do you think there's any underrated players, um, or would you kind of consider that to be the same thing as your, your breakout choices? Yeah, I think uh, Karis LeVert, I would say, is a touch under, underrated, but like he got some spotlight last year. Torian Prince, I would put underrated. I think Rodion Kroots is a guy that's probably underrated on the Nets. You know, started a lot of games as a second-round rookie last year, and he's a raw, a raw talent because even internationally, he was playing, I believe, in Spain, and they knew that he wanted to get in the NBA, so they really weren't giving him minutes with the top team. So he's just getting more experience by playing basketball in the NBA. And just the fact that it's basketball, he's getting better. And he's really young, and he has the body for the modern NBA too, like that 3-4 tweener that every team is looking for. I like Rodion's, and he provides that nice energy and that grit that this team kind of lacked a little bit last year. So we mentioned earlier that Vegas uh, has Brooklyn's over-under number at 43 and a half. Uh, so my question is, you taking the over or the under on that? I'm taking the over on that. You know, I I even think if the Nets were able to come back and bring back D'Angelo Russell and almost the team they had last year, 
they would improve off of that just because of yeah. the player development we've seen in the past from Kenny Atkinson and his coaching staff. Like Levert took a jump last year, D'Angelo took a jump last year. You know, Jared Allen keeps getting better. You know, Joe Harris went from a guy who wasn't on an NBA team to being a leader in three point percentage. So I think the player development alone should help them jump. But then the fact is, Kyrie Irving is just a better player than D'Angelo Russell, and then other role players they swapped out in the process are just better. I expect the Nets to definitely be over that. I think that's fair, and I think you take into consideration the fact that the East seems to be much more even top-heavy than it was last season. Yeah. Um, you know, with with Philadelphia and um, I mean, in oh, and, and Milwaukee, yeah, are yeah. probably the two favorites uh, right there. But I mean, you guys are very definitely close behind that, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they they hit the over as well. It's a good point. So before we go, uh, we've ended every segment this way. So I want you to hit me with three predictions for this for your team this year. They can be team-related, individual-related, hot takes, whatever you got. Hit us with three predictions. Okay, so I'll give you uh, the Nets will be a top four seed this year. That's one hot take right there. Uh, another hot take, Kevin Durant will play for the Nets this season. I'm really Ooh. buying into that right Achilles thing. Yeah, <laughs> I like Katie, it. Katie's looking good. Like, I don't know. Obviously, I've been, like, uh, creeping on the Instagram a little too much. But, <laughs> but uh, I'm telling you, Katie's looking good. I don't know if he'll be back to the Katie that we all know and love, but he'll definitely, I think, play a game this season because he just wants to do that to prove some, prove people wrong. And then I guess uh, I'll back up my co-host, uh, Jack Manuel, on the Brooklyn Buzz. He's been going with his take, and we're running, actually, a hot take marathon at OTGBasketball.com right now. <laughs> That's <laughs> Shameless awesome. Shameless plug. <laughs> Kyrie will be a dark horse MVP candidate. Mm. You I know, like that too. It's it's a perfect situation for him to to kind of get some MVP hype. I think that's a that's a good point. And his numbers last year were really really good. Like yeah. it just gets overshadowed by all the speculation, the totally. locker room talk. Like he averaged I think twenty four, close to seven assists, almost fifty percent uh, from the field, forty percent from three, close to ninety percent from the free throw line. He was really really good last year. It was just all the off the court stuff that kind of took away from that. Totally. On. Um, and hopefully the uh, the drama's behind him as far as Kyrie Irving goes. Yeah, I honestly really believe like he is from New Jersey. He grew up a New Jersey Nets fan, and this is the first time where he got to choose the team he wanted to come to. Yeah. So he's also had a relationship with Spencer. Obviously, him and KD are best friends, and he's been spending a lot of time with Karis Avert, which I think is really important. That's awesome. I think they call Karis. Is it Baby KD or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that, that was his nickname, <laughs> nickname in high school. Yeah, not I love a lot it. Of people know that. I love that. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Basketball good. reference, man. There's some uh, some fun things you can find out just scrolling along through there. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, lots of lots of good stuff to look forward to if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan. Nick, uh, thank you so much for coming on with us talking Nets basketball. We really appreciate it. Yes, guys. Honestly, it was a blast. I'd love to be on again and talk Nets. Awesome. You I bet. love what you guys are doing with the preview. I'll be sure to talk to you during the season. Definitely. Awesome. That sounds good. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening. If, if you don't already, go find Nick on Twitter at OTG underscore Nick. Check out the Brooklyn Buzz podcast. Check out the NBA Outlet podcast. They're doing a similar season preview uh, thing. So if you want more NBA talk, definitely go subscribe and check out that. And then be sure to check out Off the Glass. Uh, Nick's doing a great job putting lots of great NBA content out. So be sure to check him out. Once again, Nick, uh, thanks a bunch. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thanks, guys. So another big thank you to Nick for coming on and talking uh, the Brooklyn Nets with Justin and I. Finally, to round this podcast up, we have Tony East to preview the Indiana Pacers season. So here we go. All right, guys. We're now joined by Tony East. He covers the Indiana Pacers 
um, for both the West Indianapolis Community News as well as Forbes. Uh, he also podcasts for Locked On Pacers. He is an overall NBA writer as well for the B-Ball Index. Uh, Tony, how are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, I need to cut down on the number of things people say in my intros for podcasts because it's just it's just too noisy, man. It's not good. Uh, it's not good entertainment. No, I, I feel you there. Um, so basically, uh, we're gonna jump into some Pacers stuff here. I don't know how many Pacers fans we have on our podcast, uh, being a Thunder specific podcast, but we're doing a season preview. Um, so basically to, to start off, just give us a, a quick season recap, kind of how you guys finished, um, and then the playoff seedings, what your record was and, and how, how you guys fared in the playoffs. Yeah. Last year for the Pacers is kind of two seasons, really, you know, they had, uh, they, they finished with 48 wins and got swept by the Celtics in the first round, which that should not be your takeaway from the season, uh, both from watching games and from, you know, the, the anecdotal way that their season broke down. Like when Victor Oladipo played, they were a 57 win pace team without him. They were basically a 500 team. And obviously, uh, in late January, he tore his quad and has been out ever since. Um, so really their season ended sour, but they, they got a lot out of guys that weren't him. You know, they saw a resurgence from Boyan Bogdanovich. They saw Darren Collison have a good year. They saw a lot of role players play really well. Um, and that's why they were able to be a 500 team that would have made that, you know, 500 makes the playoffs in the East, even without him. Um, but that's why they were able to be good enough without Oladipo and really good with him. Um, but unfortunately, uh, when the playoffs mattered and the season came to an end, they did not have him and they looked like a, a not as good team. So, uh, it was kind of a weird ending, but 48 wins in a sweep is, is a baseline that they have to use to spring forward into this year. Absolutely. So, you know, taking a step back, um, obviously Oladipo, a former member of the Thunder, um, obviously traded in a blockbuster deal for Paul George. Taking a step back uh, a couple years ago, what were your initial thoughts? I, I think you probably knew it was coming. It sounded like Paul George um, kind of forced his way out on that. Um, you guys were fortunate enough to at least get some nice pieces. You know, a lot of teams get screwed over through free agency. The you know the whole Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard guys that are leaving uh, with nothing in return. So, what were your thoughts on that trade a few years back when that did happen? Yeah, you know, uh, I went to IU, so a big Oladipo guy, so it was a little unfair. But I think the the, the reactions from most people were too strong, right? Big Pacers and IU fans were like, "Oh, Victor's awesome. They got another young guy. That's okay." And then the national people were more, you know, oh my gosh, Oladipo's bad salary and Sabonis wasn't very good. Uh, his rookie year playing out of position, what are they? What the hell are the Pacers doing? Um, and I was kind of in the middle there. Uh, some of my IU bias shines through, but to me it was like, okay, they just got two starters who are under 25 years old, which is like a fine return for your expiring star who wants to leave. It wasn't good. It was just fine. You know, they didn't get any picks, um, but whatever. Now, no one, including the Thunder Pacers, Ed, anybody saw Oladipo coming to what he's become. Sabonis is now like a very, very serviceable backup center. He's pretty good. He probably would start for a handful of teams. Um, now he's going to start this year, just not at center. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, I think the return turned out very well. It's one of the rare win-win trades in a star situation like that. Absolutely. So fast forward to this summer, uh, you know, you, you had – um, some flashes of Oladipo's greatness now uh, for a while. W talk about some of the additions the Pacers have made, uh, both through free agency, 
uh, trades, the draft, kind of um, what the team looks like from last year to this year and how you feel overall about the, the offseason they've had. Sure. So uh, with Sabonis, like I said, moving into the starting five, they had a big hole at backup center, and that's where the draft starts. Uh, they, they grab uh, Goga Bitadze from KKB Max. I uh, played over in Europe for Budenkost and BMAX last year. Uh, he's now their backup center. He looks like he could. they want him to play immediately. Uh, rookies are usually bad their rookie year, but uh, he shouldn't be asked to play or do too much in his first season, and he played in Europe, so maybe he is a little more ready than most, most rookies will be. And on the same draft night, they added TJ Warren because you know they, they didn't really know what role to expect from him. I think when they got him, that was 10 days before free agency, uh, and they did actually want to keep Bojan Bogdanovic, who departed, but those two guys came on the same day, which which gave them um, both their backup center and some more scoring off the bench, which they didn't really have last year. And then free agency just happened so fast, right? Their biggest need was point guard. Darren Collison retired. Corey Joseph was not a priority. Every every indication was that they were going to get Ricky Rubio, but somehow they were able to sign Malcolm Brogdon. Um, and I think with their point guard there, they were looking for um, low turnover guys who can defend, basically because Victor Oladipo is going to have the ball more often than that player anyway. So uh, both of those guys kind of fit that bill. Uh, Brogdon is great. He can shoot. He can defend his own position. He can kind of ball handle. Uh, he'll be asked to do a lot when Oladipo is out, but they fit really well. And then once they got Brogdon, the offseason kind of morphed into, okay, how can we you know, get the best possible surrounding talent for what we have so far? Uh, and Bojan kind of got squeezed out in that situation, but you know, they have they had uh, T.J. Warren already who can kind of be their new scorer with Oladipo out. They needed a shooting guard who can fill in and score with Oladipo out. They got Jeremy Lamb, former Thunderman there, um, who I can't wait to talk to him about Nick Collison because every indication is that him and Nick Collison were buddy-buddy uh, back in OKC. And then at backup point guard, uh, they snagged T.J. McConnell, who will probably compete for minutes with Aaron Holiday. But they basically just filled all the holes that their departed guys had in free agency that they needed. Uh, around Brogdon Oladipo and their two young centers. So it was pretty much get the best player they could to fit around Vic and then uh, fill all the other holes they need, whether that be uh, a scoring role or a specific position. Yeah, I, I personally think the Pacers had an excellent offseason. I think a Brogdon Oladipo backcourt has the potential to be one of the best uh, you know, defensive uh, you know, guard duo in the entire league one of these days. They're obviously great defenders now, only with the room to grow. So kind of a two-part question here. Um, how do you feel about the, up the upcoming season? Do you feel the Pacers, um, and this is a question including Oladipo, uh, are, were a better team last year or this year? And were there were there any differences in the off season that you would have made any any changes you would have made looking back or, or do you feel it was kind of the perfect off season for you guys? It's good, all things considered, um, especially for a small market team to get a guy like Brogdon who's really good and who fits really well. Uh, amazingly, looking back through history, is one of like the better free agents the Pacers have ever gotten. Like Tyreek Evans last summer was probably one of the best five they've ever gotten as well. Um, but yeah, I think with Vic healthy you know i think they're probably better at their peak than last year now i think their record if he was going to play the whole season i think their record would end up about the same because they're going to have a ton of growing pains right like the section you just asked me about was their offseason additions and i went on for a rambling amount of time because there's so many guys um and that you know that takes time at the beginning of the season they're going to have to grow into that they'll have a new starting point guard two guard small forward and power forward on opening night four new starters three new players 
in the rotation. They'll have a six or seven new guys even. Um, so even if they're good players, they have a lot of growing pains to get through. They have to figure out how to play together. And that might lend them off to a slow start. And even if Vic was healthy, those guys would have to be integrated into the system, into the lineups, and play games together. So I think this year and last year, they're probably about the same in terms of what record they might end up with. But I think at the absolute peak, they got better. And in that way, I think their offseason was clearly a success, especially because they didn't have to give up very much. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of Oladipo and his injury, uh, go ahead and just touch on when you expect him to return, your thoughts on... Um, maybe rushing him back versus giving him more time and maybe um, spending more time without him during the season to make sure he comes back 100%. You know, we've seen a lot of guys, uh, Kevin Durant, DeMarcus Cousins, guys like that come back maybe too early and re-aggravate those injuries um, and, and then also touch on any other injuries within the Pacers organization. Yeah, uh, the... Early signs say that he'll be back in December or January. That's what Woj said. That's what Kevin Pritchard said on local radio. But then you see Vic's a, or Vic's of videos. Videos of Vic like running and dribbling and doing all this stuff that makes him look healthier than he is. Now, Thunder fans with Roberson know how teasy those kind of things can be and how long you can really be out with the kind of injury he has. But, uh, you know, it seems like given that he looks healthier, that it'd be the earlier side of that. How I'm no doctor. I don't know. But that's my... I guess, given all the information that we know um, and how that affects their season. I think, you know, if they or they won't try to rush him back, if they can play 500 ball without him, because I know they can be better than that with him. I think everybody knows that. And in the East, that's easily enough to make the playoffs. I don't think they have some lofty aspirations this year. I think they're realistic that, okay, this guy's hurt. Let's be cautious with this. Let's make sure that, you know, we're doing the best thing we can for our future um, and that and means you know not rushing him back if they don't need to. So if they're treading water around 500, there's no reason to to push him back until he's absolutely ready. And I think they're they've stated, and I think it's obvious that they should be cautious with this situation given where they are as a team. So as long as they stay 500, I think he might be out for a while. Now if they somehow crater and this doesn't work at all, then maybe we'll see him back a little bit sooner than people expect. But uh, I think sometime in early or late December, or excuse me, mid to late December would be. Uh, the goal and I think they can easily maintain 500 without him but uh, we'll have to see yeah and and on the note of bringing him back early and, and the wins for next season correct me if I'm wrong last I looked I believe the Pacers were slotted at 47 48 wins as far as their Vegas over under win total for the season uh, are you taking the over or the under on that under 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 I can't say it enough um, if Vic was healthy the whole year, it'd be close. They won 48 last year, and like I said, I think even if he was healthy this year, given their growing pains, they might end up with 48. Without him, yeah, I don't see there's a way they get. I think it's 47 and a half that Vegas has them at. Uh, I already don't see them getting to that. And I know the lines are moving a little bit, and they already have dropped to, I think, 46. So I think that is closer. Now, I went through the schedule game by game on one of our old podcasts and landed on 43. Um, I don't know how smart I am, but you know I think that's a reasonable projection given where they are, given their injury situation, and given the number of new guys they have. Um, but for them to hit the over, you know, what would have to happen? Oladipo has to come back on the early end of his timeline and be just as good as he was last year. Uh, and Turner and Sabonis have to fit well together because that's their experiment this year, right? They're starting two centers, and everybody has to gel pretty quickly. And I find it very hard to believe that all three of those things could happen, and even one of them not happening means that they're probably not going to hit the over. So uh, I think the under is the much, much safer bet. 
There's certainly a lot of uh, variables and things that could, you know, happen either direction for the Pacers, I feel like. But I think in the East, they'll be fine regardless. If, if I were the Pacers front office, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily rush him back. I think you guys should be fine uh, without him, you know, for the time being. But kind of looking long-term, um, how do you feel about the, the coaching staff, their front office ownership, and the direction of the team overall just outside of this year? Yeah, things look... Mostly positive. Uh, McMillan has done a, you know, they've, they've won in the 40s or upper 40s every season he's been here. He's done a relatively good job. I think uh, he fans and even the team a little bit are starting to understand his limitations a little bit better. But I think he's good for where they are as a team, and he's a good player development coach. He's a good defensive coach. He's kind of militant, and a lot of players are drawn to that. So I think in those ways he's good. There Again, his limitations exist, and I think, you know, maybe if they become – on the contender side, they would look for a more playoff-savvy coach, but right now he's good for their situation. Kevin Pritchard in the front office with Chad Buchanan. Uh, they also do a pretty good job. I think the Oladipo trade brought bought them a lot of time, uh, but their plan's been going well so far. I mean, they won the same number of games in their two years as the front office, and given the context of the second season with the Oladipo injury and how good they were looking before it, uh, it seems like they have a, a strong direction right now. Now, the, the non-rosy part of the Pacers' future lies... Uh, in Oladipo's free agency next summer, uh, and really Sabonis is the, the the summer, excuse me, Sabonis is next summer, and Oladipo's two summers from now. Um, Sabonis, I think they want to keep, they love him, they're talking extension, but with two centers, you know, it's just like, is that a bad idea? Are you paying a guy too much money to pay out of pos- play out of position? There's a lot of variables there, so that'll be a, a trial for both the team uh, in the coaching and front office departments, just because they have to make some on-court and off-court stuff work. And then uh, with Oladipo's free agency, you know, that's 2021. A lot of teams have space, uh, including Miami, where he trains and uh, likes to be in the summer. Now, I, there's no indication that he wants to leave, but, you know, you can't ignore these signs, especially for team building. So on the less rosy side, they have some uh, some tougher parts of the team, team building aspect coming up. But I think in general, coaching, staff, front office, and roster-wise, uh, they're trending in the right directions. So Miles Turner is representing the United States in uh, FIBA right now. Are you uh, in the boat where you're happy to see him there uh, representing the U.S. and developing, playing with some of these other guys around the league that are uh, future stars? Or are you more nervous? Um, I know you, you've seen Paul George playing for Team USA, <laughs> having some crazy injuries. Are, are you more nervous about him playing or are you excited to see him play? Well, I, you know, the, the PG injury was a freak injury. Um, but, of course, for the Pacers conglomerate, that makes playing for Team USA scary. Thankfully, they're not in that Vegas gym uh, this time. But uh, I think it's mostly a good, you know, I, you have to be happy for him, of course, because he wants to do it. Um, but from a, a sorely, solely a Pacers and basketball standpoint, he's playing with better players, which is a great way to get better. Uh, especially playing alongside Brooke Lopez, who you know has a similar skill set and can teach him a thing or two. Of course, Popovich and Kerr can teach him a thing or two. Uh, just being on Team USA, I think that's a good growth experience mentally. So I think there's a lot of pros for him on the basketball side, uh, and he wants to do it. So of course, in that those things are all good. The only negative is you know you're in China in a different time zone, wearing down your body right before the season, and the Pacers have the India games this year, so their preseason. Uh, features games against Sacramento in India, uh, which is only 18 days before their they tip off their season. So I think um, a lot of travel to different time zones, like 
drastically different time zones could be the only negative for him of this but assuming he doesn't get hurt i think it, it can only be a good thing even though the paul george thing does uh hang overhead looking at the depth chart and you know kind of knowing the pacers in the past do you feel they're going to be a team that make uh several moves throughout the season and at the trade deadline or do you think they're going to try to stand pat and roll with this team into the playoffs the only way they make a trade is if uh sabonis and turner just goes so terribly and then they would probably look to move one of those guys. But uh, it doesn't seem like it this year just because it's it's not like a wasted season. But with Oladipo's injury, there's no point of doing anything drastic. Uh, and in the Kevin Pritchard era, I mean, their trade deadlines, they did nothing in 2017. And last year, they traded uh, Ikeani Bogu for Nick Stauskas and Wade Baldwin. And all three guys were immediately cut. So they're not really a swing for the fences at the trade deadline kind of team. Now, granted, last year, Oladipo was hurt. But the, you know, the trade deadline hasn't been a time where they seek out to get talent. They're more of a, you know, use your flexibility and space to make the trades that make sense for your team. So I think midseason, and le- again, unless that the two centers pairing is doing just a disastrous job together, um, I, I find it hard to see them doing anything uh, this, this season. So essentially, I kind of just want to get your take on – where they finish in the playoffs, do you think they're uh, a top five seed in the East? Are they one of the, the bottom feeders, seven, eight, uh, you know, six, seven, eight seed? Where do you see them falling overall? Uh, ideally, they could get to the five seed because I think they'll be you know better than their record come playoff time because Oladipo is going to miss so many games. Uh, and the top three seeds in the East, so Milwaukee, Philly, especially those two, and then Boston are probably better than them in a playoff series. Um Boston's the probably I think the first two teams clearly are so if you can avoid if you can get in the 5-4 matchup you know you're already better than your record you might be able to win that depending on who the four seed is you know Brooklyn Toronto Miami Orlando whoever it is I think they can compete or beat any of those teams if they if they do hit the six seven eight seeds I think they'll struggle a little more I think they can take some games off either team but it might be hard to win the series but yeah I think they're definitely good enough to make it like you said um I mean I think I just named every team that they're competing with plus Detroit um, and odds are they'll be better than most of those teams anyway so I don't think there's a concern of whether or not they'll make the playoffs the question is um, you know can they get a high enough seed to not have to play a team that that they'll be outmatched for so give me so, so for, for people that don't cover the the Pacers as intimately as you do give me a guy that uh, you think might be a breakout player that that the common NBA fan may not know about or an underrated player on the roster that may become more of a household name over the course of this next season? Uh, I can't say Jeremy Lamb, right? That's not allowed. Not allowed. Uh, so he, I mean, I like Jeremy Lamb from what I've watched him for. I understand Thunder fans uh, realizing his limitations and, and things like that. Uh, he improved in Charlotte last year, but I just really like what he brings to the table. And I think the Pacers get a lot out of those guys. You know, they, they have had Dan Burke, uh, as one of their assistant coaches for 20 years, and he seems to make every long-armed wing better on defense. Uh, and Lamb already can create his own shot. I think um, given a starting role and a bit more usage than he's had in the past, you know, he won't be playing alongside a Kemba Walker or a Russell Westbrook. Uh, he might be able to do some things. Uh, he might not be able to, and I'm sure Thunder fans have many times thought that Jeremy Lamb would eventually take a big step forward. Um, but I think he has a good opportunity to do so. And the other one is Aaron Holiday. Uh, second year he looks like he'll start the season off as the backup point guard he showed quite a few flashes of being a a competent rotation player last year he'll be given plenty of opportunity to show what he can do this year Um, 
And if he, you know, if he can, Drew, his older brother, obviously very good. Justin now on the team uh, with the Pacers this year. Forgot to mention him earlier in the addition section because he'll probably be out of the rotation when Oladipo is back, but he'll be helpful before then. But anyway, Aaron is a, can create his own shot. He's quick. He's shifty. Um, I think he could become a guy who, who people know a lot more about uh, once the season gets going. All right, so last question here before I let you go. Uh, hit me with three predictions for the team this upcoming year. It could be uh, team-related. It could be you know individual-related. You can make these uh, hot takes. You can make them more conservative. Just give me three overall uh, predictions for this upcoming season for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, okay, I think, one, they will have the best record of any team that does not have an all-star this coming season. Um, two, I will put Miles Turner on an all-defense team. He was close last year. I don't think he was quite as good as Embiid or Gobert, but I think he can uh, pretty easily catch them. He was right on their tail after leading the league in blocks this past season. Uh, let's see. I'm not good at, at hot takes here. Um, let's say uh, TJ Leaf takes a step forward and, be, and be, uh, becomes a, a contributor that no one's really heard about. So I'll say uh, my third prediction is uh tj leaf ends up playing over 15 minutes a game and people around the league start to learn who he is that'd be a big plus he's a guy that that people forget about he was a, a high draft pick um you know back when he was selected by the pacers he's obviously a guy that i feel could get hot and be one of those guys that could stretch the floor for the team you guys have quite a few shooters uh but i appreciate you coming on tony uh, again you guys should follow him at t east nba uh, again he covers the pacers uh, for both the West Indianapolis Community News and Forbes. He podcasts for Locked On Pacers and covers the uh, NBA League-wide for the B-Ball Index. Uh, Tony, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you were a great guest, and I think you hit the nail on the head on what the Pacers might do this season. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me. This was fun. Absolutely. Thank you. So there we have it. Part 3 of the Uncontested Season Preview Series Another huge thank you again to Dave Johnson, Philip Rossman-Reich, Nick Fay, and Tony East for coming on and previewing their respective teams with us. Um, as you guys probably noticed, we did not have a group podcast this week. That was due to conflicting schedules and a lot going on, combined with like literally nothing to talk about Thunder-related. <laughs> so stay tuned. We will have a Thunder uh, weekly group pod for you guys this coming week uh, on Wednesday as well as another season preview next week. We will be previewing the 76ers, the Raptors, the Bucks, and the Suns. So we're about to transition over to the Western Conference. This is going to get fun. Uh, it is currently September 1st, which is great news because that means that we finally have some basketball coming uh, fairly soon. And in the meantime, we have some college football and NFL football to watch. So we're in a better place now. Hang in there. Uh, thank you guys for getting... I thank you guys again for listening. If you enjoyed our season preview series and are continuing to enjoy it please go and leave us a five-star review uh, on itunes or wherever you listen to your podcast because it really does help us um, it, it helps us gain publicity and it helps us in terms of uh, just everything we're trying to do to uh, continue to give back to you guys and improve our podcasts you know and make it the best we can so thank you guys again uh, stay tuned for another season preview episode next week and we will have a thunder group pod for you guys uh, midweek as well so until then, thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.